You are Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We continue our year in review. Now up to part two here. This has been kind of fun, Ty, going back through the timeline, sort of reminiscing on the year here. It's been Thanks both fun and excruciating, right? Yeah. Isn't that the best way to, to kind of lay it all out for everyone? Yeah, well, today we're going to get into the COVID times, and probably a lot of this will be us reminiscing on that March 11th day, which was so much of so much. Like, I don't know. Everyone just has a memory of that day, and, and for Syracuse fans, it was positive until it wasn't, and, and everything else was going. It was a weird day to kind of have where you have Syracuse playing well, but also a lot of other things in the world were kind of coming to a screeching halt, and a lot of other scariness was going on outside of the sports world. So, We'll get into, start with March today. If you missed January, February, go back and check that out from yesterday. Not a whole lot really to update on. I think our plan this week is just going to be to do the year in review. And and then if there's other news that comes out, perhaps they reschedule some of these games or we hear of a couple football players coming back or something. We're still waiting on a couple of the guys like Dakota Davis, Nolan Cooney, McKinley Williams have not announced whether they're returning for another year. And and maybe they won't even announce and they'll just kind of move on. I don't exactly know how it will go or what the timetable will be there. But the one thing I did see this morning was Brandon Huntley Hatfield took a, a Zoom meeting, according to some reports from Jake Weingarten. I think McAllister confirmed it that he was talking with Jim Beheim on a Zoom call. And it, it seems like Huntley Hatfield, even Justin Taylor a little bit, have been in constant contact with Syracuse. So those are two 2022 guys that they're probably after pretty hard right now. Right, and it seems like Huntley Hatfield, even though we, we like to talk about some of these top 10 guys looking at going to the G League or something like that, go overseas, he seems like he's taken the I'm going to play college route pretty seriously right now. Yeah, which is good to see. I, I hope that, obviously, from a Syracuse side of things, he stays in the conversation and stays committed to playing in college because it does feel like they've all of a sudden sort of gotten on a short list for him in the Zoom call doesn't mean a ton, but it does show that there's at least some mutual interest there at this point. So we'll continue to monitor that. You can follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Syracuse. Also subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review. Let's get into this timeline, Ty. We, we start in March and the basketball team's hopes of a tournament have kind of dashed at this point. March 3rd, they do get a win at Boston College and I don't know if you remember this game. This was the game, it was 84-71 was the win, and it was the game where BC ended up making 19 threes in the game, but they they still lost by 13 points. It was such a weird game to watch. I remember Elijah Hughes. That was a big game for him. That was kind of the one that, I believe there are a number of NBA scouts in Chestnut Hill for that game, and Elijah Hughes just controlled that from start to finish. Sure, it was a... 13-point loss, but it felt like a lot more than that. And it's really because of Hughes' dominance. And that is the moment for me when I was like, yep, he's going to get drafted. He like There was no doubt in my mind that he was going to be among the 60 players selected. And at that point, he's leading the ACC in scoring. And there was some little rumblings of should he be in the conversation of ACC player of the year. He goes on to get all ACC first team, but... You know, I, I think in just a general sort of viewpoint of Elijah's, he still was undervalued, underrated in the national conversation 
for what he was doing for Syracuse basketball. And you see it in their next game. They lose to Miami in overtime, and that's a game where Hughes was hurt and, and couldn't go at least the full game. I don't remember the exact timetable there. I think it was similar to NC State, though, where all of a sudden it was like, oh, we don't have Elijah today. And, right. and that's kind of how it usually goes in these college athletics type of scenarios. And you never really know the player's hurt until he's hurt. But that was kind of a tough loss because it dropped them from the five seed to the sixth seed in the ACC tournament. And Miami was pretty crappy last year. I think it it was at Miami, but it was still sort of a bummer of a way to end the regular season. And it was one of those things, too, where you knew what was at stake. You knew that if you lost, you were going to have to face North Carolina in all likelihood. And that was a team that no one wanted to face heading into the ACC tournament because they'd gotten Cole Anthony back, they'd gotten some of their mojo back, And it wasn't too long ago that we had seen them absolutely trounce Syracuse. And we thought it would be a bad matchup for them. But, no, I remember that Miami loss. It was one of those games. It was very similar to NC State where you had to ask Joe and Buddy to be the alphas. And it was it's one of those things where sometimes when you're asking the kids to do adult responsibilities, (laughs) it can be tough. It can be really, really tough to win games. And that's exactly how that played out. And during the stretch, Sidibe is really coming into his own, and that's the big positive. I think Beheim even says at some point during this, I think it's after the UNC COVID game, that he was like, yeah, I told him a couple things, and I guess I'm a bad coach because I should have told him that a couple like weeks ago or when he first got Years to Syracuse. Years ago, you're right, yeah. Yeah, right. So that's the big positive during this time period is, oh, okay, this season's lost, but when you're starting to sort of play the game of looking ahead to next year, barring a, a miraculous run, which to give them some credit, they could have gone on. I mean, we, we never really got the full opportunity to see how this season ended. So some people would argue that it, to call it a lost season is a little unfair because the way they did play against UNC was really impressive. But when you're thinking about this timeline, it's it, I know it's been talked about a ton, but just doing this exercise again, you've got March 10th, the Ivy League cancels the tournament. And think about that. March 10th, it's just amazing how quickly this all went to crap here. And like I said, it's been talked about a ton, but when the Ivy Lake canceled on March 10th, it was, huh? Like, that seems a bit premium. Like, a lot of people were thinking that. I'm not saying everyone, but it was a shock to a lot of people. And I was at that ACC tournament, and that is going to be two or three days I will never forget for the rest of my life for a lot of different reasons. But... That whole timeline of events, I still remember it like it was just yesterday, how everything just was escalating so quickly. And meanwhile, they had this game that night in front of a bunch of fans, and you just knew, even I was sitting courtside looking up at the fans thinking, yeah, this is the last sporting event I'm going to go to for a while probably. Now, I didn't realize it would probably be this long, but no one did, and it's just sort of surreal experience thinking back on that. It's amazing, like that whole sequence, you got the Ivy League and everyone thinks that's some super advanced idea to go ahead and cancel because a lot of people are saying, well, we could just play it with no fans and that was kind of the sentiment held for a lot of people that you could just, okay, we'll play these games with no fans. It'll be a little weird, like remember the Warriors were one of the first teams that said we're going to play a game with no fans and then the NBA axes the season shortly thereafter and they never do play that game with no fans and now playing games with no fans is the norm that we're living through these days but no that was I I remember talking with you and and talking with Goody and we were texting and it was all this I couldn't believe it that 
you guys were saying, yeah, this thing is not going to continue. This thing is going to get canceled. The tournament's going to get canceled very shortly. And I just couldn't believe it. But you two were both so steadfast in your beliefs that we weren't playing another game in the ACC tournament. And yeah. I, I still couldn't believe it at the time. And looking back on it and seeing the the length that, to which this has escalated, it makes total sense that, that we never ended up playing another game. So that March 11th day, they, first off, during the day, I think it was the day before Syracuse, the school, announced that they were going to off-campus learning. And that was a shock to a lot of people during that time. Then during the day on March 11th, the NCAA attorney announces that they will have no fans at all. And I remember I was it was in between games of the ACC tournament, and I'm in the arena just looking at an empty arena. And that whole concept of no fans was so new it was so odd now it's everyday stuff to us but I was looking at that thinking oh my gosh like the NCAA tournament's gonna play in front of an arena like this this is gonna be so odd all these questions are running through your head and it escalates to the point where that night March 11th the NBA cancels their season after the Rudy Gobert news he tests positive Tom Hanks and his wife test positive Everyone this thought is also, Fred Hoiberg tested positive too. Remember yeah, that? I mean, there was he that looked scare. like he was dead on the sideline. Yeah. For but I think it ended up just being the flu or something like that. Yeah, I'll just never forget that. I was first half courtside, and I'm kind of like going through some responsibilities of tweeting the game. I'm trying to stay committed to. Okay, Elijah Hughes is playing well, and Joe Girard's having this good game, and Syracuse is looking really good, and trying to do that job. And then I'm getting texts on my phone from my friends like, are you seeing this Rudy Gobert? Are you seeing this Tom Hanks? This is bad. This is not good. And it was such a weird juxtaposition of trying to like, you know, understand what was going on in the world, but also enjoy the Syracuse experience and see them play well. And it was the best game they played all year. It's probably one of the best moments of the year. And just in terms of they were not supposed to beat UNC. They're supposed to lose by 20, given the history, the background, how UNC was the can't-miss team on the rise, and Syracuse was coming off the Miami loss. We didn't even really know what Elijah Hughes' status was going into that game, and he goes nuts, and all of a sudden they're up by like 25 at the half. I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was not even a fair fight the entire night. I mean, you could argue that was the best win for Syracuse I won't say Syracuse Athletics as a whole, but for Syracuse basketball and football, that was the best win that the program had for the entire year. And yeah, to see it all just kind of go crumbling down after that, it was it was pretty disheartening. Hey guys, we got any sports gamblers out there? Anyone who's been interested in maybe getting into it? We've got a great deal for you. It's at betonline.ag. If you go right now, as a listener of this podcast, use our promo code LOCKEDON. All one word, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, you get a 50% welcome bonus. What that means is if you put down $100 into your account, you'll get 50 free dollars. If you put down $200, you'll get 100 free dollars on top of it. So some great savings potentially for a really fun time to be doing some sports gambling. NFL is ratcheting up playoffs on the horizon, some big Week 17 games that you can bet on. Right now, I'm on the site right now. They've got some intriguing matchups. The lines come out early on this site, which is great. Also, college football, the bowl games, New Year's 6 is coming up this week. NBA's back in swing. There's a lot out there. So go to betonline.ag. Use our promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. 
So the next morning, people might forget this. It's March 12th now, and they're set to play Louisville. And I was going to return to the ACC tournament that day. I was, I was actually, I was planning on getting there early because there was a game starting at noon. I just wanted to see the empty fan experience. They announced the night before that no fans would be there. But in the morning, I remember getting up and curious as to whether I was going to be going to the tournament or not. I watched the Packer and Durham show where they had on the former commissioner Swafford of the ACC, and he announced the tournament is going on like normal. So this is like 9 a.m. on that morning of March 12th. And then by about 11.30, I think, they called it after Donovan Mitchell had tested positive. And at this point, like now, it's hard to keep track of how many guys have tested positive, which is sad that it's come to this. Like Jim Beheim test positive, and sure, that one hit very close to home. But when you heard the news of, Oh my gosh, Donovan Mitchell has the coronavirus. It was it was earth-shattering at this point right. cuz no not a lot of people had had it. So that was huge news that okay, Gobert has it and he gave it to Donovan Mitchell. And it's amazing to think about but the Big East did play the the first half of their game In after true all the Big other East fashion. They they decided yeah. to power through. No, you're right because like when Jim Beheim tests positive or anyone these days it feels like tests positive, it's like okay, you can understand it happening. It just It's one of those things that happens because a lot of people have been infected by it. But back then, it was, yes, you're right. It was one of those things where you didn't know someone who had tested positive for the most part. Nowadays, you, you know plenty of people, it feels like, that you could say are in your lives and have tested positive for, for COVID-19. But back then, it was a very, very foreign concept. Yeah. It just went from, it went so quickly from, I'm going to the ACC tournament to have a fun time, and I'm, I'm with my friends, and we're going to watch Syracuse, and, you know, I'll be reporting the games and stuff, to, I got to get home, and I got to bunker down. Like, I don't know what's going on in this, like, in a matter of hours. It went right, like, to Florida State, well, Florida State, I think, was playing the game. They they were in their layup lines when yeah. this game got called. Who were they playing, like, NC State or something like that? But they were in layup yeah. lines at the time getting ready for this game, and then all of a sudden it gets axed, and next thing you know, you see them raising a trophy. So odd to think back on. And later that day, you find out that the ACC has suspended all sports. The NCAA goes on and cancels the NCAA tournament. So for Syracuse, any hopes of the NIT is gone. And they canceled lacrosse, too, and, and all the winter and spring sports tournaments. So that was really just shattering news to go from March 10th, Ivy League canceling to March 12th in the afternoon, NCAA tournament canceling. And it was like, yeah, I kind of saw that coming, even though the Ivy League was such a shock 48 hours earlier. And then I was sort of amazed looking back at the timeline of this. It was March 13th when Bryson Goodine announced he was transferring. So this is literally right as soon as he could after the season. And he picks Providence on March 16th. So we're talking about four days after the season, Five days, I guess, if you want to get technical here. Goodine is on agreed to be with another team. Like it was instantaneously, and you just could tell that given that timeline, he had his mind made up that it was Providence and he was transferring kind of no matter what. Right. And you wonder, was there something going on behind the scenes? Because stuff like that usually doesn't happen in just three days. And that was kind of the beginning of the onslaught of transfers. You heard Jalen Carey's name, Howard Washington. You were wondering what what's gonna happen with Robert Braswell. And you're wondering what's going to happen with the Orange backcourt moving forward because a lot of guys were on their way out. And Syracuse, they had Kadari Richmond coming in, but you didn't know what else they really had 
in the bank in terms of guards heading into next season. Yeah, because there was a time period there for about three days where there were reports that Matthew, I think Matthew Gutierrez reported that Robert Braswell was looking like he was going to transfer or he was at least considering it very, very strongly at that time. So in my in my mind, I was thinking, okay, he, he might be gone and it kind of makes sense. And even the way this is played out now, you can see why he was sort of considering it, just given his role on this team and his future and how we've talked about it's tough to really envision him getting to a rotation spot on this team. But who knows? I mean, he's still got some time to maybe prove himself a little bit. I don't, I don't want to rule him out too much. But then on March 18th, Braswell told Syracuse.com that he is most likely coming back. It wasn't a definitive, like, I'm back, but he was yeah, kind he wasn't of sending the Michael the Jordan press release, but he was he was yeah. essentially doing that. Yeah. So the initial period was kind of transfer news and then Elijah Hughes on the 22nd. So this is about 11 days after the season ends, announces he is leaving for the draft. It was something we probably expected. You talked about the BC game and how that was confirmation for it. So all this stuff was not totally shocking. Maybe the the amount of guards that were leaving, because you also had Brendan Paul leave as a, a walk-on guy at the guard position in the later stretches of this month. And it, it was shocking that, you know, there were rumblings of, oh, is Beheim not giving these guys a fair shot? Why are all these guys leaving? What does this mean for next year? But it turns out now, at the time, a lot of the conversation was, who's going to be the backup point guard? Well, Kadari Richmond has proved that, that that shouldn't have been a conversation at this point. I don't think we've really Yeah, imagine understood. telling some Syracuse fans that, hey, you're probably going to want Joe Girard to be the backup point guard uh, heading yeah. into next season. Like <laughs> right. that, that's, that's where we're at right now. A lot can change, as we, we've learned in nine months. All right, real quick. We know everyone has a wall that they have to break through during their day, whether it's the meetings, the paperwork. So how are you going to break through that wall? Well, I'll tell you how. Built Go. Use their easy-to-carry one-and-a-half-ounce packages that make it perfect to put in your briefcase, gym bag, pocket, whatever. It'll help you break through whatever wall life throws your way. There's three delicious flavors, peanut butter honey, chocolate mint, and chocolate coconut. Built Go combines energy gel with fast-absorbing collagen protein, which makes it easy on your stomach as well. It'll ignite your day and then keep you going strong thanks to B6 and B12 vitamin levels. Think of your favorite energy drink without the same crash feeling. It's natural for your body, so it's better for your body. You too can break down those daily walls. Go to BuiltGo.com, use our promo code LOCKED for 20% off your next order. Again, BuiltGo.com, promo code LOCKED. You'll get 20% off your next order. Let's go! Late stretches of March, we get into a, a recruiting time period here. And this is where it gets really wonky because Patrick Tepay is the big name. And... I mean, for the love of, for the life of me, I still don't know what the heck happened there and what the timetable is or, or what actually was going through his mind. But we'll give you the dates here. March 24th, he picks Duke over Syracuse. So at that point, it's like, ah, Coach K stole another one from, from Bayheim and what a bummer, whatever. Would have been great for the front court. This is the Columbia grad transfer. April 2nd, so this is what, a little over a week after he picks Duke as we get into April here he announces he is decommitted from Duke. And then there's these rumors of Syracuse that are surfacing. And it got to the point where I remember I wrote something for another outlet saying Patrick Tepe is committed because we were just prepared for him to be committed. Like it, it was very, very strong belief that Syracuse was going to get to pay in that April 2nd to kind of 
April 5th window. And then April 5th, a day after Alan Griffin commits, he announces that he has recommitted to Duke. I still would love a 30 for 30 on, on what the heck happened there. Yeah, I don't know if we need a 30 for 30 on it. But well, when, yeah, you, but... when I saw you type these in the notes for the timeline that we're doing, I had completely forgot about this sequence. About And that's what makes something like this fun. I had completely forgotten that he was, okay, he went to Duke. Then he decommitted to Duke. And not just that, but all indications were that he was going to Syracuse after that. So... I had completely, completely lost track of, of all that stuff. And then, of course, he goes back to Duke. Hasn't really done much since he's been there. I don't think he's been getting a ton of playing time. But, no, that was a that was certainly one of the more eventful things because this was in the period where the weeks were moving very slowly and, and we were locked up in our houses, maybe consuming a little too much Joe Exotic as well. And right. th- this, was, <laughs> this was that period when everything was moving slowly. Yeah, so just to kind of rejog people's memory here there was a guy jeff ehrman i still probably should know what he does he's a verified basketball writer of some sort and he tweeted i'm hearing patrick to decommitted from duke because syracuse managed to flip him he's got a long-standing relationship with their staff wouldn't be surprised by a public cuse commitment soon and he tagged a couple people in it and that was april 2nd Matthew Gutierrez quote-tweeted that and said, grad transfer Patrick Chappé probably will commit to Syracuse per source. Nothing at all is final, and a decision is coming soon. Before he committed to Duke, Ohio State, Georgetown, SU, and Maryland were among the programs he had been considering. So it seems like it did come down to Syracuse and Duke in the end for him. And you also miss out on Seth Towns during this time period. He goes to Ohio State, but... It's so shocking. April 2nd, there was a report that he was coming, and April 5th, he recommits to Duke after whatever happened there. And it's weird that it was a day after the Alan Griffin news. Right, and the Alan Griffin stuff, of course, comes right after the National Championship Zoom, too. Yeah. And (laughs) that was super fun. When you got all those guys on that Zoom, everyone's watching, everyone's playing along in the the chat as well. And and that was really, really cool. I remember, because that was in the phase where watching old games was still fun i don't know that to me that wore off after about like a month i I no longer was interested in watching the old games but that was in a phase where that stuff was still cool and still fun and it was you even learned some stuff i felt like during it and i still the the man who stole the show of course was craig forth he he wasn't even watching the game he was watching like dora or something with his daughter uh, (laughs) on the zoom so Shout out Craig Forth. Um, but yeah, no, that was that was back when, when that stuff was fun. And of course, we hear the little nugget too about Kevin Durant. Yeah. Um, how if Troy Weaver was still on staff, he would have ended up probably going to Syracuse. So a, a winding, twisted road that ultimately leads us to, to the beginning of April. Yeah, Troy Weaver was on that Zoom. Little did we know he would be the GM of the Pistons at this point, and he would take Isaiah Stewart, uh, Mike Hopkins guy, and, and he wouldn't end up signing uh, Jeremy Grant to that huge deal as well, helping out sort of a Syracuse guy there. So I don't know. It's it's weird because when we did January, February and did this exercise, maybe you'll agree with this. I don't know. But I was thinking back on those months, like, holy cow, that was forever ago. And this time period, I think it's partially because we all just sort of knew we were living in history. So I really was just trying to like regurgitate as much of that stuff and, and try and piece that together. And this is a time period that we've all kind of talked about with family and friends, like 
the start of the quarantine and we've talked about it a lot with other people so this doesn't feel that long ago in a weird way it does and it doesn't and i guess that's true for everything in life but the january february felt like it was 2018 these months i i kind of remember like every little detail of that march 11th day just because it was such a historic day I remember March 11th, the the April stuff is all, at least the, the sequencing and the timelines, all of that stuff to me is still a little hazy because that was the, the long drawn out period it felt like. Like they said March, the weeks felt like years and then you get into April and the weeks feel like months and then you get into May, the, the weeks feel like days and then you get to June, July, like those months feel like hours. So yeah. it, it's amazing that... It, we're almost we're almost a year now that we've been been dealing with with all the issues that we've been dealing with as a country. I know it's really shocking that because at this time on April fourth, when Alan Griffin commits, if we go back in time, there was no talk of what's going to happen with college football, and that becomes much more of a conversation later on. I do remember Kirk Herbstreit said something like, "I don't see it happening," and everyone was like, "What? <laughs> like Kirk? This is." four months from now i think we'll be fine and and college football does end up happening obviously to some extent and and a lot of teams got in a a good chunk of their game so that was overall i would say mostly a success for for a lot of teams but just weird that it became such a conversation later on so the rest of april anything else sort of jog your memory from this time period there was just some like little recruiting news quincy ballard had syracuse in his top five the local guy we were talking a little bit about Matt Harms potentially transferring. There was some Syracuse interest there, but it never really got too serious from what I remember. No, it didn't. He was on some giant list of like 30 schools, and that's the last we heard of Matt Harms. Um, Dior Johnson ended up going to Oak Hill if we want to go down the Dior rabbit hole again. Yeah. <laughs> and then football recruiting, though, did start to, to heat up a little bit. I believe what Malcolm Folk, I believe, was, was an April guy, as was Josh Huff. So the the class was starting to take a little bit of shape at that point. Yeah, and it goes into early May where that was when football was on a heater in terms of recruiting. There was, I think it was like eight recruits in seven days. I'm not exactly sure the exact number, but we were talking a lot of football recruiting. We're having a lot of the players on the show at this point. They're kind of on this hot streak. It was Hayden Nelson. It was a couple other guys that I'm I'm sure. Derek McDonald, I remember, was one of them too. Right, so it's all in this early May, late April window where football recruiting gets to, I think they got to 12 recruits or 11 recruits, some number like that, way quicker than most of the other ACC schools. They just had a a high volume start to the class. This was back in the time when when Syracuse's class was actually rated above Alabama's at the time, and everyone was making a a big joke about that. And (laughs) uh, it came back to bite them. Yeah, and... It was also a lot of the questions we were asking the recruits was, what's this virtual tour like? How are they selling you guys on on the program? Because I think a lot of people were just wondering, huh, maybe we have this sick virtual tour, and that's why we're getting a lot of these recruits. And they definitely did do a great job just sort of looking back at the 2021 class of making this not only a respectable class, but one of the best classes they've had in the Dino era, despite all these unfortunate circumstances of not being able to get to the campus, which for some people that's a maybe a minor thing, but Syracuse, let's face it, not a lot of these kids that play in hotbeds and maybe the southern states, like take Derek McDonald. He's a Georgia kid. 
I don't remember if he had visited the campus, but just using him as an example, if you're recruiting a Georgia kid and you're trying to sell them on Syracuse, it's not like, oh, Syracuse is some crossover state that people have stumbled upon and have maybe seen at all. For most of these kids, Syracuse was a completely new part of the world that they had no experience of. So to convince a lot of those recruits to come, it'd be easier to convince them to go to a school that just happens to be kind of in a populated area where, oh, like, yeah, I was in town there and we we looked at UNC or something like that. There's not a lot of that appeal to Syracuse. A lot of them had been to New York, it felt like, but not Syracuse. They'd been to New York City. And obviously those are two very, very different worlds. For those who have ever delved into the, the New York City scene versus the Syracuse scene, very, very different worlds. So, yeah, no, you're right. It was... One of those strange things where a lot of these guys had never really been within a, a 300-mile radius of, of Syracuse, and, and all of a sudden they have committed four years of their life there. So the rest of kind of these summer months here, end of May, you have TBT's rosters coming together. They announced their plans to go into a bubble in late May, which was exciting. You also missed out on Riley Leonard, my my namesake and the quarterback. Your long-lost cousin, yes. I know. Bummer, but... But it was kind of good news in the end because we'll get to Justin Lampson. That was July 3rd when Lampson commits. So the end of May, we can just kind of cap off May here before we, I'm sure in the next one, we'll get into some more basketball recruiting and, and we'll get into June, July and the rest of the months here. But May, you get the, the TBT roster was kind of forming and the bubble plans were announced late May. Also, the, the one bummer of May was they missed out on my long-lost cousin, Riley Leonard, at quarterback, my namesake there. That was May 19th we found out about that. He he goes to Duke, which was a bummer. But anything else from May or kind of these summer months from Utah? No, I mean, it feels like forever ago, a lot of these that we're getting to right now. I'm, I'm sure once we get into the summer, everything's going to feel like it was just yesterday. But in terms of the spring months, that's the time period that felt like years and, and decades ago almost. Yeah. All right, well, we will cap part two of the year in review here. Next one we'll do, we'll pick up with some basketball recruiting news, June, July, August, and and continue down the list here as we recap the year. This has been kind of a fun exercise, so I hope you guys, the listeners, are enjoying it as well, kind of reminiscing on some of these moments and remembering what was this wild 2020 year. But thanks for listening. As always, you can follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Syracuse, and we'll talk to you guys tomorrow.